All right, welcome everybody. Once again, here we are, Political as Heck, podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Assel, joined by Utah Senator Todd Weiler. Hey, Todd. Hey, Corey. All right, let's start with straight politics. This past Tuesday, Senator Mike Lee appeared on Fox News personality Tucker Carlson's show, and he was there to press Utah's other senator, Mitt Romney, for his endorsement in Lee's Senate race against Evan McMullen. Lee pleaded with Romney to help him win re-election, get on board as a Republican. As we've discussed a few times on this podcast, uh, Romney has, up to this point, decided to remain neutral in the race, not providing his endorsement to Lee because, as Romney says, he can't decide between his two friends, namely Senator Lee and Evan McMullen. So, of course, by not endorsing Lee, it really is kind of a tacit endorsement of McMullen, or at the very least, it's understood that Romney is sort of given permission to disgruntled Republicans to vote for McMullen. Todd, you saw that segment. What do you think? <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, um, I have it on very good authority that over six months ago before the primary, uh, Mitt Romney and Mike Lee sat down face to face and Mitt told him that he was going to stay out of the race. He wasn't going to endorse him. So, um, and, and what I'm about to say, I say this because I've heard him do it on Sean Hannity about a week and a half ago. And I heard him do it on Tucker Carlson um, five days ago, I think that uh, a, a U.S. senator who is in a tighter than expected re-election race, who's invited on a national TV program with a bunch of rabid Republicans watching, I heard Mike Lee twice say, go to my website at Mike Lee, whatever, and donate and help me. So I, I think that this was an opportunity for Mike Lee to pitch to a national audience his website Asked for donations. He specifically asked Mike Lee's uh, or Mitt Romney's kids to go on and donate, which I thought was <laughs> interesting. But you know, so so I think you know he. I would love to see the numbers of what he raised Tuesday night or or, or Wednesday morning because I'm sure it was significant. And so I, you know, uh, it's not easy to raise money in politics. And so that that you know, to the extent that it was just a, a fundraising move, I think it was good. I think the media is more fascinated with his lack of endorsement than than either Mike Lee or Mitt Romney probably is. And um, I, I do think, and I've, I've shared this with you privately, but I'll say it publicly. I do think he looked a little bit like he was groveling. I don't think uh, a truly undecided voter in Utah who watched that performance, and, and I don't think they, the undecided voters are watching Tucker Carlson, but that, that clip got shared, got texted and emailed around. I don't think that was swinging any votes his way. So I, I think he looked, it was a little bit, um, beneath uh, the what I would think uh, the dignity of a U.S. senator, it may very well may have been uh, designed to increase his fundraising, and it probably worked. And but you know, I I also suspect that he was making a genuine plea for Romney's help. I mean, I don't know. So, uh, President former President Trump also issued issued a statement. He said, "Mike Lee is an outstanding senator who has been abused in an unprecedented way by Mitt Romney." Uh, he goes on to say that uh, that he. Trump himself won the state of Utah twice in a landslide. And one and the first time it was he beat Evan, and he said Evan McMuffin. He didn't say <laughs> Evan McMuffin McMullen. So I mean, uh, one other interesting thing um, he did, Lee did make a, a plea for Romney's kids to to chip in, and that was funny. He also implied that members of Romney's family are helping McMullen, which I don't know if you've tracked that down or anyone has. But I don't be really think there's any evidence of that. Of that. I mean, maybe one of Mitt relatives have, has made a donation, but I don't think, um, and I'm going to push back on you. I don't think uh, it's a tacit endorsement 
of Evan McMullen, even even any more than him failing to endorse Evan McMullen is a tacit endorsement of Mike Lee. I think he's just saying, I know both of them. I like both of them. I'm staying out of it. And I think part of the reason that he's staying out of it is because of the January 6th and the text, you know, before January 6th. But I don't know. I, I don't think Mitt's family's all out there pushing for Evan McMullen, but maybe there's one rogue member. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, you and I have talked about this, but you know, not all of my kids are exactly politically aligned with me and yeah, yeah, America. So if somebody wants to donate, they can donate. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, um, so I'll take your word for that. And we don't want to spread rumors or anything. Yeah. Um, I think you're being a little generous when it comes to the, the tacit endorsement thing, but that's neither here nor there. The Washington Post also reported uh, a couple of days later that members of Romney's staff expressed their annoyance at Lee for asking Romney for his help after Romney had already told him, as you said, that he wasn't going to endorse. Um, I think the bottom line is that, you know, it seems like Lee's efforts have not moved Romney at all. It, it is interesting because I think a lot of the most diehard uh, Lee supporters are not necessarily fans of, Mc, of uh, sorry, I was going to say McMullen, but not, I'm not necessarily fans of, uh, of Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. So it does go to, I, I think that, I think that Mike Lee really was saying, hey, look, you know, this is a closer than we thought race and it would help because by not endorsing me, even if it's not a tacit endorsement of McMullen, you still are sort of given permission to Republican voters to go ahead and put our majority at risk by voting for, for McMullen. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the message he was trying to get across. But it was a strange venue choice. I mean, whether whether you like or dislike Tucker Carlson, he obviously is not a Romney fan. And even the during the segment, the Chiron read, dirty trickster Pierre Delecto strikes again. Which is Mitt Romney's like, fake Twitter name. So yeah. yeah, so Pierre Delecto was was uh, Mitt Romney's burner account on Twitter, a fake Twitter name. But anyway, T- Tucker, you know, like going on the Tucker show and then having jokes like that, I, I don't know if that's really not, – not only is that not probably not going to persuade Romney, but it's it's probably not going to work on his his uh, supporters in Utah either. But, you know, to the fundraising point, it probably does help. series a new series of polls were released and i think it's worth talking about because i also agree that he's going to win by we 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 put pegged the over under at 10 percent, and i still think he's going to win by 10 or more percent but we got three new polls that just landed the deseret news poll which has just been questionable all along but they have registered voters at 40 41 percent for lee 37% 37% for McMullen, so only a 4% lead. And then they have, as we've talked about in a, on a prior episode, we talked about how they, in order to identify likely voters, they just basically ask, are you going to be, are you going to vote? And of course they all almost all say yes. And so their likely voters are essentially the same 42 to 37 among likely voters. So it's a, it's a four or 5% race according to the Deseret news. And then this Hill Research, which is uh, produced by the Put Utah First Super PAC, that's run by a bunch of uh, Never Trump former neocons, and, and it's funded pro- by progressive billionaire donors like Reed Hoffman and the Prisker family, both of whom have donated uh, a good chunk of change to McMullen. So billionaire donors and a bunch of left-wing donors. Um, Pretty biased poll, but anyway, they came out with a poll that said McMullen is leading 
46 to 42. So McMullen up by four. You know, I think that this is grifter political consultants trying to gym up, gin up some contributions to their super PAC so they can pocket more money. But it is interesting. So you have the Deseret News saying Lee by four. You've got Hill Research saying McMullen by four. And then you have Center Street, which has had at several polls this year. And again, just to remind everyone, Center Street is definitely a pro McMullen pack. They've endorsed him. They do. I mean, but it's a Democratic organization that basically has endorsed uh, McMullen and and maybe a couple other like um, never Trump Republicans. But their results were interesting because at least they're a little more honest. They, theirs came out among likely voters. Among registered voters, it was almost the same as the Deseret News, 38-37. But among likely voters, and they didn't reveal their methodology, but among like, likely voters, it was Lee 50 and McMullen 38. So a 12-point race, which I think is a lot closer probably to what, what we're really looking at. So the results, this was interesting, show 50, 57% of Republicans are motivated to vote compared to only 49% of Democrats. Of course, that goes to the fact that probably Democrats, there's still some some Democrats who are not happy about the fact that they didn't put up their own candidate. And only 37% of independents are excited. So this is the quote from Center Street. They say, McMullen's message only lands with the 43% of Republicans who aren't all that motivated to vote. He needs to make inroads with the core Republican base to grow his current preference numbers. Even though McMullen shakes up Lee's support among unmotivated GOP voters, it only moves those voters to the undecided column, not firmly into his corner. And so among unmotivated voters, McMullen holds a lead over Lee 35 to 25. So what we're talking about motivated, that goes back to our, our question about registered voters versus likely voters. So if you just at this stage, you, you really need to identify or come close to identifying who's actually going to vote to get a poll that's going to be close to the actual result. And they say among motiva- motivated Republicans, Lee has a 50 point advantage, 71 21. So you're really talking about um, if Lee siphons off 21% of, of Republican voters and then gets the, you know, 27%, he's not going to get all 27% of Democrats probably. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But that, you know, that, that puts him, he's probably in the, uh, High 30s, low 40s. What do you think, Todd? Yeah, I, I don't know that I, I have, uh, I don't disagree with anything you've said. And um, I, 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 all I have to add is this. I think that um, um, when the, the poll that had Evan McMullen up, they didn't even release their sample size. And so if you really have confidence in a poll, you'd release all of the methodology, you'd release the questions so people could pick it apart. I don't believe that these are truly authentic, genuine scientific polls. I think these are polls that are driven to try to, you know, send a signal that the race is closer than I believe it is. And also, as you've alluded to, to raise money. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, and by the way, the ballots t- today, the ballots are, are going to be mailed out this week. So uh, today's the 16th. I think the ballots are mailed out Tuesday. So many of you will have your ballots uh, on your kitchen table on on Wednesday. Some of you will be Thursday. And as we've mentioned before, about 30% of all of the people that are going to vote are going to vote that first day, and they're going to just fill out that ballot. And so 
I, I kind of cringe every time I hear someone say it's only, you know, three weeks till the election. No, no, it's like three days <laughs> to the election. Yeah. And so the, this is go time. And, um, um, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting, but uh, Mike Lee's going to win. And, uh, and Mike Lee, and I think uh, Mitt Romney will continue to work together very collaboratively. I think they like each other and respect each other. And that hasn't changed over this non or tacit endorsement. So, yeah. All right. One more, let's talk about one more aspect of this and then we'll, then we'll be done with the center race for today. So uh, McMullen got a series of endorsements. Uh, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker fame has endorsed, uh, Mc, has endorsed McMullen and did like uh, some sort of endorsement fundraiser thing for him this week. I think over zoom, I don't know if it was live. Senator John Tester, democratic Senator from Montana who the, the media will claim is a uh, moderate, but I would love to see a single time in his career of all, of 16 years where he's voted against his party's leadership. I mean, a single time would be great because he's, he is a foot soldier. So he's, so Evan McMullen has Democrats, uh, loyal partisan Democrats coming to, to endorse him. And he's raised, a bunch of money from Act Blue. This is something that uh, that Mike Lee mentioned in his interview with Tucker Carlson. Act Blue is the is the Democratic fundraising apparatus. So, you know, like Republicans raise through Win Red, Democrats raise through Act Blue, and it just kind of shows where where his, his bread is being buttered. But you don't have to have a comment on this. But I thought it was worth mentioning these things. Well, let me just say, um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I've seen every episode. I've watched, uh, I've watched, uh, oh, the, 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 the spinoff series and, um, even the, you know, the Mandalorian is the, the best one, but, uh, I, I grew up idolizing Luke Skywalker and I couldn't give a damn <laughs> what Mark Hamill thinks. I mean, if any undecided voter is waiting for uh, a washed up elite Hollywood has been, you know, to tell them who to vote for in the Utah Senate race, I think that's a pretty sad commentary. This week, Congressman Burgess Owens announced that he would not participate in an upcoming debate sponsored by the Utah Debate Commission. Because Salt Lake Tribune executive editor, editor Lauren Gustus was chosen as the moderator. Owens said he would not have anything to do with the Salt Lake Tribune after it published a Pat Bagley cartoon portraying Owens as a member of the Ku Klux Klan. So everyone recall that Burgess Owens, obviously African-American man. He's from the segregated South. He's experienced a lifetime of racism and prejudice directed at him and his family. In a recorded statement, he said, speaking of the Salt Lake Tribune, he said, I expect bias from such a liberal outlet. But racism is where I draw the line. I'll not be bullied into participating in a forum with unabashed bigots. So because the Utah Debate Commission would not select another moderator, Owens said he had no choice but to withdraw. And he said he looked forward to debating Democratic candidate Darlene McDonald in a setting not regulated by the Utah Debate Commission, is what he said. Todd, what's your take? Well, um, <laughs> so first of all, uh, I didn't like the political cartoon that he's complaining about. I pulled it up and looked at it again this week. Um, I don't agree that it portrays him as a member of the KKK. I think 
it mocks him for for using language um, similar to maybe what a KKK person would have said 70 years ago. Um, I and I don't like the cartoon. I don't want to repost it on our comments. But um, look at Burgess Owens also refused to debate uh, with the primary with the, with a different moderator with the Utah Debate Commission last um, June and uh, before the primary election. We have a Democrat and uh, incumbent governor in Arizona who won't debate her Republican candidate. Um, so I don't like it when politicians refuse to debate. Um, I just don't. And so uh, I understand what Burgess is saying. I think the video he put out on YouTube the day of the debate explaining his decision, I think it was fairly effective. So I think at least his loyal base supporters will say he had a good reason. I think the debate commission, you know, which normally I've talked to Nellie Gotchner and others about this who who did moderate one of the debates. They usually bend over backwards to make sure that their moderators don't have a conflict. So I think he would have had a better argument if Pat Bagley had been the moderator as opposed <laughs> to the editor of the Tribune. Um, but I also think it's a little I think it's a bit of a stretch for a congressman from Utah to say uh, I'm not going to engage in anything involving the Salt Lake Tribune. I think that's a bit of a disservice. It's, it's you know, it, it, the Salt Lake Tribune and the Desert News are the only, you know, only newspapers with statewide readership. And, um, and I think it's, I think it's just a sign of the toxic and divisive nature. And I mean, after what the media did to John Curtis, you know, that we talked about last week in his debate, I said, I don't know why any politician or any incumbent is going to want to debate. So I can kind of understand the need. But if it were me, if I were advising Burgess Owens, I'd tell him to to suck it up and go and go, you know, go do your debate. I, I don't know that the offer to debate her somewhere else is genuine. I don't I don't see any efforts from his camp to try to set that up. And, uh, you know, I think that falls a little flat for me. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on that. But first, I want to say, I mean, I thought the cartoon was breathtakingly hate-filled and yeah, i'm not really defending the cartoon i'm not defending but it was a year and a half ago and i think it's time to move on that's all i'm saying yeah so that that could be but uh but i think it's worth saying to to the folks who are who are listening with us that i mean if you haven't seen it it's entirely inappropriate it's totally offensive i mean the the entire utah congressional delegation issued a joint statement con condemning the cartoon and unfortunately honestly it's typical of pat bagley's cartoons week after week i mean he his images are just dripping with hate and anger. And honestly, I hope he gets help because he doesn't seem like he's well. All right, so let's talk about the debate commission. I think they're in jeopardy, honestly, of losing their credibility. And maybe you think that's unfair and partially maybe it is. But at this point, there have got to, there's gotta be some give and take. I mean, the, the Salt Lake Tribune, I'm, I subscribe to it because there is good news that's done there. But on the political side, I think it's more of an advocacy organization at this point. And maybe Lauren Gustis herself is, is not a problem. But, um, but I think that conversation should be had. Why not have Natalie Gochner, you know, do this debate also? I don't know. I think it's fair for Congressman Owens to, to ask for a, a nonpartisan moderator. And it's true, like, you know, you have Kari Lake in Arizona who doesn't want to debate. But we have Sam Gill in Salt Lake County. District Journey, who refuses to debate uh, Danielle on. Um, so, and, and also a couple of, of school board races, they refuse to, to uh, debate as well. So this isn't just a Burgess Owens like Republican thing. I think, I think at this point, you're right, campaigns 
they're starting to really weigh whether a debate is more likely to help or hurt them. And I don't know if that's a good thing, but I mean, I think Burgess Owens, understandably, he doesn't see much upside going into the lines then with a moderator he thinks is biased and is trying to maybe try to trip him up. While at the same time, his Democratic opponent really has zero name ID. I forget. I couldn't even remember what her name was. I had to look it up. And Darlene McDonald. Darlene McDonald. She but, likes uh, me on Twitter. Darlene McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, yeah. You cross swords with her on, on Twitter all the time. Well, and she's, I mean, I've met her in person. Interestingly, she's African American. Burgess is African American. It would have been a fun debate to, to watch. I'm kind of, as a consumer, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. And I'd like to see it. And I, it's, I would like to see it. And so to the point you were make, making just a minute ago, I, I spoke to a political consultant friend of mine this week. He made a really good point. I thought, that, I mean, Owens would have been better served to really push for an alternative and be serious about it. And he would have been better served to try to coordinate with the, with the party, maybe, you know what I mean? Like on the, especially on the moderator situation, just really clarify what it's about. Cause it without, so that, so that it doesn't leave the impression that he's just trying to get out of debating altogether. This past Friday, Congressman John Curtis hosted a what he, what he dubbed Conservative Climate Summit at the University of Utah. Participants included Scott Anderson from Zions Bank, former Trump official Robert O'Brien, several representatives from industry, and a few from uh, state uh, um, agencies. GOP Chair Carson Jorgensen also participated. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend, and I can't seem to find any transcripts or materials so this is from the this is the write up from the Herald Extra. They said during his opening remarks, Curtis urged conservatives to be present in conversations surrounding the environment. "Quote: Let's be honest. We are allowing ourselves to be branded as not caring about the earth. I like to tease Utahns that they're the best environmentalists in the world. They don't like to be called environmentalists, but they care care deeply about this earth." And then he went on to say, "We are losing the next generation of Republicans. Many of them are single issue Republicans because of climate." We can't afford to lose even a small percentage of this next generation of Republicans, and this is important to them. I suspect you're going to have something to say about that, Todd. I'm not so sure it's true. I hear it a lot that young Republicans are so supportive of climate. I don't see polls or voter behavior that really bear that out. I mean, young Republicans in almost all polls. I mean, we should say issue polls are mostly garbage and not worth much, but to the extent they're worth anything in, you know, Young Republicans care about the economy and immigration and, and crime and so forth about the same as older conservatives. But I'll just say this. In general, I think any serious discussion about climate change, it, it's not a bad thing, but it should begin with uh, expanding nuclear power. That's a proven technology with zero greenhouse gas emissions, expanding construction of modular reactors as well as traditional large reactors. That's the direction we should go. Wind and solar cannot even begin to address this problem. Right now. Right now. Well, I mean, ever. Because we'd need a wind farm the size of Texas. And experts are telling us, and I work in this every day, actually, we, we need a trillion, trillion with a T dollars of transmission build out to bring power from the windy areas like in, in the Midwest or even here in Lehigh where it's so freaking windy. But to bring it from there to uh, consumers in California, New York, and where, where the population, um, large population bases really are. And not only is a trillion dollars like a ton of money, but we can't even build basic things um, without 10 years of red tape. I mean, I, I, so I don't know. I know if someone is serious about addressing greenhouse gases, I know that they're serious if they want to talk about expanding nuclear. Otherwise, I really think it's just about ideology. Of course, um, 
you know, China is the largest emitter and has no plans to slow down. And we talked about this last year, but I'll just repeat it as my final thought. Emissions during COVID, when the economy completely shut down, people were not going to work, people were not driving. You could drive anywhere in this country and, and, and not run into traffic. And emissions for greenhouse gases only dropped by 10%, which is just pretty shocking. So you really got to go a long way in order to make a big difference. I think nuclear is really the only serious option. But Todd, what's your perspective on all this? I think that John Curtis is exactly right on everything that you that you said, and we may disagree on that. I think that um, I'm glad that he is leading out on this these issues. Um, I uh, I think that 10 years ago or 12 years ago, a lot of Republicans were like me, like me, were saying, you know, we you know the science is unsettled. Their science is on both sides of the issue. Um, and that's less true today in, in, in terms of the fact that I think 98% of the scientists are saying that we are experiencing some type of climate change. I think the better conversation is, is, a, is, there, any, is there anything we can do about it? Because even if Utah were to crack down, what about Indonesia? What about India? What about China? Um, you know, there's, there's all of these. And I also believe that humans are incredibly resilient and adaptable, and I, and I believe the Earth to a certain extent is as well. But um, I think that as our younger generation, you know, moves into um, more and more traditional roles of voting and, and, and running for office, I do think that the Republican Party needs to adapt. And I, I just think doubling down and saying, sticking our heads in the sand and saying, you know, making jokes about global warming, which I'm sure you've done, and I know I've done, um, you know, we just we just had the hottest summer on record in Utah. We had seven days above 100 degrees temperatures in September. I mean, it's kind of, and I know that's anecdotal, um, but it, it's it's almost undeniable that the climate is changing. I'm sure that humans play a role in that. I'm not sure that we can stop it. Like you said, even if everybody stopped driving, it's only a 10 percent change. Um, the the and, and I do think we should have a conservative uh, perspective. I think five members of the Freedom Caucus in um, in the House uh, came out and 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 participated in this conference, which is great. I saw them on Saturday because they were at a Mike Lee event in Layton that I um, I stopped by, and uh, because there was a state central committee meeting there, and then they also came to the Utah University of Utah game last night, uh, at least for the first half, but. I, I do think that it's smart for us to get, you know, look at when it comes to climate change, Republicans can continue to lay on the track and let the train run over us, or we can hop on the train and try to slow it down, try to, you know, steer it, try to have uh, a, a voice in the conversation. I think that's the the better move. And so I applaud John Curtis uh, for his efforts. And um, I think, um, you know, I think more Republicans should get on board and say, you know, let, let's talk about conservative solutions. And and you articulated several of them, including um, including nuclear power, which is kind of a no brainer to me. I don't hear a lot of people saying that the climate isn't changing. I think the I think where the real debate happens is what do we do about it? Yeah. Can we do anything about it? And what should that be? Because there's a lot of liberals who just want to shut it all down. And that's just not practical or pragmatic. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we talked about this last week, but the thrust of the Green New Deal is really just a, a remaking of the entire economy. It's a utopian vision of, of, of what uh, our society should look like, which is essentially, you know, anti-modernity. You know, it's, it's taking a, a large step back. I don't see people willing to do that. 
And I think anyone, me included, are willing to do things, but are you willing to, you know, have your electricity bill triple or quadruple? You know, are you willing to, like in California, you know, in times of high usage, basically not drive anywhere because you can't plug in your your electric car, electric vehicle. So I think I think there are a lot of hurdles ahead, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't address those. And I and I do think that Curtis is on the right track to to start thinking through it in a in a smart way rather than in a utopian vision way. And and I it, it bears repeating that despite you know Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Accords or the Kyoto whatever I get those mixed up, but the United States has reduced more greenhouse emissions in the past right. decade yeah. than all of the European countries combined, and so we're not getting enough credit for what we're doing. And I think a lot of Americans, just like we saw in Utah over the last year and a half. When when they're informed, you know, when Utahns were informed, we're in a drought, you know, we're we're at crisis stage. People voluntarily cut back, and I think it is, if we tell Americans this is what you can do to help the environment, to help you know fight you know climate change, I think a lot of Americans will step up and, and they'll adjust their behaviors as long as it's something reasonable and not like we're going to drive horses and buggies around, you know. Um, so you know, I, I I think we'll continue to adapt, but I. Yeah, I'm glad that John Curtis is leading the charge on this. I'm proud of him. All right, that's the last word. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Corey. We'll see you next week. All right, see you next week.